angel? What? An angel. I heard the deep space pilots talk about them. They're the most beautiful creatures in the universe. They live on the moons of Diego, I think. You're a funny little boy. Episode 33. The moon with the rebel base will be in range in 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Every time Catherine revved up the microwave, I'd piss my pants and forget who I was for a half hour or so. It's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. I'll be there in 10. Is this a five-minute argument or a full half hour? You have 30 minutes to move your car. Your car. You have 30 minutes to move your cube. Your cube. You are listening to A Half Hour Wasted. Escaping the cold hand of death for one more day. And now, here are your hosts, Brad Milo and Frank A. Rincon. Okay, so here's my idea for the show. Let's it's a sitcom, it. okay? Let's hear it. You take a guy, like a rich guy from Spain. A Spaniard? A Spaniard. And you take a, uh, a poor guy who lives in a village from Mexico. Okay. You move him into an apartment in New York City and just watch the antics. I call it Spick and Span. <laughs> How is that? Spick and Span. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> What's going to happen this week on Spick and Span? Do, do, do. Anyway. That actually, in today's world, might actually fly. <laughs> hey, everyone. This is Frank. And Brad. And we got a special guest. Hi. Uh, uh, Bill McGonnell, voice, oh, yes. voice of, uh, of Half Hour Wasted. We have brought him Greeny. here today. <laughs> to uh, we're going to take up. Someone has suggested on the forum or uh, told asked you to. to I don't even remember who. I think lots of people chimed in on it. I don't okay. even remember who it was. But uh, I know Bob Heine was all for it. Really? Um, we're going to do the. F- uh, we're going to break down each of the Star Wars movies and just give our opinions on it. We're going to start on order today. We're going to do Phantom Wait, Menace. We're doing Star Wars. Star Wars. Oh, jeez. Oh, did you bring the wrong Star- notes? Yeah, I know. I've got Star Trek notes. Oh and, uh, man, I don't I feel stupid? Well, should we stop down or just forge ahead? We'll forge Is it ahead. okay? Can we just make an edit? <laughs> just let it, me go get my notes. Edit, 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 okay. Uh, okay. Hey, we're uh, back. Okay. Um, but so we're going to do Phantom Menace. <laughs> and we will uh uh we won't do them in a row so we'll just break them out throughout the year right. maybe once every two or three weeks can but, i make well. a suggestion yeah. can go we ahead. go ahead and do like episode one the show i yes. think that would make sense that awesome. would, we'll go in order awesome. of we'll go in chrono- chronological order chronological. Okay. not not in best star wars movie order no, no. because no? this one this one would be last really last. oh yes oh I that's think interesting I, okay um, I would not place it in the six hole. Thou shalt not speak of really? Star Wars that way. It's a hockey reference. Okay. It's we will, not really we, a hockey reference. We will break it down in a bit as to where our references are. But Brad, how are you? I'm good. Let's right. get this out of the way. Let's get it out of the way. Let's I lost my elder. job. Lost your job. I'm okay with it. Uh, you know, I'm still going to do this show. We'll still see each other every week. Maybe every other week we'll do two and a, two and a, But we used to do that anyway. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. have lunch with you guys. Yes. Um, I bequeathed some of my things from my desk to Bill. <laughs> I had to clean them off first, but they're very prized. And All right. <laughs> yes. And uh, But I'm okay with it. I'm excited about this new chapter in my life. And I'm Give yourself cool. an applause, Give because you deserve it, Brad. You are going to rock. You are going to rock. I learned a lesson. Uh-huh. What's that? With every closed door hmm. opens a window. You know... And- <laughs> Every door that closes opens a window, according to Jim. Oh, yeah. 
Awesome. Brad, this is going to be an exciting chapter, and I'm glad to be part of it. I think Me that's too. my favorite HHW drop, by the way. Is uh, according, yeah? is according the first to time you broke out, was it episode 7 where you broke out the according to Jim nonsense? <laughs> was it episode 9? He, I just, he knows. I rolled, I know. man. It's kind of creepy. I rolled. All right, so. so let's dive right in. Yeah, let's, um, let's call an expert okay. on Skype. Yes, we do All have right. an expert coming on. Um, but uh, while we're waiting Hopefully on that. she'll answer the phone. It came out in 1999, Phantom Menace. That'd be her space phone, right? Space phone. This is like Star Wars here. It's Original budget was $115 million. For the first episode? For the first episode. That's interesting. Hey. And it grossed, it grossed $430 million. Hey, Ashley, you're on the air with Half Hour Wasted. Hey, Ashley, this is Frank. Hi. Hi, Ashley, this is Bill. Hi. And, uh, and who is Ashley. Brad? Ashley's my 13-year-old daughter. Hello. Ooh, my okay. firstborn, my pride and joy. Okay, Ashley. How come I never heard about Ashley then? <laughs> Stop it. Ashley, uh, we watched, I mean, we've seen it a million times, uh, all the Star Wars movies, um, but we watched it uh, yesterday and this morning to kind of uh, reacquaint ourselves with it. Give us your opinion of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Um, I like it. But it's not my favorite. Okay. And you said something that was interesting to me. You said that you liked Star Wars episodes 1, 2, and 3 better than 4, 5, and 6. Why was that? Probably because I grew up with those more than I grew up with 4, 5, and 6. Yeah. you. And let's see. In 1999, Ashley, you would have been 5? About what? yeah, she was five in 1999. Yeah, you were five when the first movie came out. When so episode yeah, you, one came out, you were five years old. Wow, I was like 61. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, of the first three, where does it rank? Like, is it the best of the first of the first three, or how does it fall? Rate rate the first three one? episodes for us. Three, two, one. Three, oh, okay. two, one. So you like Re- Revenge of the Sith, Attack of the Clones, and then Phantom Menace. Okay. Uh, what, what did you think of, of Phantom Menace? Because uh, my overall feeling, actually, is that I think it's kind of like I don't like Jar Jar Binks. I think he's too much of like a a little kid's character. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what do you think of Jar Jar Binks? I like Jar Jar. He's funny. He's funny. He reminds me of my dad. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so oh. much for that. It's that the is. Uh, it's the ears. <laughs> Thank you. Oh yeah, I have floppy ears. Now, what is it about Jar Jar that reminds him of... Just the random comments and stuff like that. Okay. Brad's accent isn't as thick, though. No. I've I've practiced long and hard to tone down the Misa like a Misa. <laughs> Misa. Oh, okay day. Misa day starting out pretty okay day with the brisky morning munchins. <laughs> one of my notes here is that I have never understood one word Jar Jar ever said uh, I oh, did have to. That may be my failing. No, I did have to put on closed captions a couple times just to make sure. <laughs> yeah, we've got <laughs> bunga fish. We've watched it with closed captions on before, haven't we, Ashley? Yes, we have. And it's much easier to understand what he says when you can read it. Well, obviously, because you're reading and not listening to it. Right. Those sentences are impossible to diagram, by the way. Yes, they are. <laughs> you put it on a chalkboard, it just doesn't work well. <laughs> I think he failed grammar. I think he did. Yeah. Um, is it a movie that you feel the need to. That that you don't mind watching over and over again? Can you repeat that? You went in and out. Is The Phantom Menace a movie that 
you enjoy watching over and over again, or is it one that you're okay if you don't see it for a while? Um, I'll watch it over and over again, but, like, I don't need to. What's your absolute favorite part of Phantom Menace? The last scene, well, the last, I guess you would say, few minutes where the three battles are going on. Yeah, the lightsaber duel, and then the space duel, the space battle, and then the uh, Gungans and the yeah. Queen and all that. Yeah, it's kind of neat how they intertwine those three things all at once. Yeah, I like that. You made a wise choice, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> what about your What about your friends? Do they have any opinions on Star Wars? Do they like this movie? Do they make fun of you um, for, for being a Star Wars geek? No. They've kind of gotten used to me liking Star Wars and sci-fi and stuff like that. So, so they don't? Um, well, I mean, me and my friend Brittany go to, like, we went and saw Spider-Man 3 and Fantastic Four, and she goes and sees all that stuff with me. That's cool. Cool. Too bad I can't ask you about the Fantastic Four movie, because we're doing a Star Wars episode. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it there. Hey, and Ashley, we'll, we'll have you on the show here in the studio for either episode two or three, okay? Okay. All right. I love you, and I'll talk to you later, all right? All right. Love you. Bye. Bye. So there you go, a 13-year-old girl's opinion of Phantom Menace. She likes Jar Jar, and my eight, uh, eight-and-a-half-year-old Allison also likes Jar Jar. In fact, that's all she was saying the whole time. I like Jar Jar. Oh, I, that's, wow. You know, as, as, a, as an oh, adult. A as, I forgot to do this. Oh, yeah. We, had, we need all the gym thing. Oh, no? Okay. <laughs> Star Wars Episode One soundtrack yeah, playing go. underneath. We got to call. You know what's odd? We got to call Ashley back. Why? With the music. Oh, yes. And the background. What's odd is that on this soundtrack, um, it's not chronological. Some of it is, but not all of it is, because really? the second track on the soundtrack is The Duel of the Fates, which is the music that's playing beneath the cool lightsaber duel at the end of episode one. That's odd. All right. One, one or two. Um, go ahead. Well, well, one other comment about the soundtrack. I can remember kind of a controversy that came out, because the soundtrack came out before the movie. Yes. It had a big spoiler on it. It had back. a big spoiler. It had a, One of the titles of the tracks was The Death of Qui-Gon Jinn. Oh, and that made a lot of people very upset. I know that I've got, uh, I've still got Qui-Gon's the record of the Star Wars, the original, uh, unsubtitled Star Wars for New yeah. Hope. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that one obviously was, you know, basically takes you all the way through the movie. Yeah. The, is the, uh, it, is the, it because they released it before the movie was out? Yes, or yes. they did. It came that, out a couple of weeks before the actual movie came out. Okay. The name of that track was, was Qui-Gon's that, Noble End. Was that yeah. one track was so big that they had to put it second or something? I don't know. Maybe it's... Are we know, talking about Duels of Fate? Yeah, are they putting like the hit? You well, they know, did release the it. The they did something? release it a couple of weeks before the soundtrack came out, so everybody had heard it. Yeah, yeah. and MTV had so. done like a, um, a music video of sorts to it. I don't know if that's what you'd really call it, but scenes yeah, of the movie with the orchestra playing. I like the right. stars on 45 version of that. <laughs> <Da-da>, <laughs> <nah>. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Oh, um, my goodness. That was a, just a disco yeah. version of it. Okay. And Stars on 45 was a... Clearly, you're an insane person. Yeah. <laughs> um, clearly, that you didn't listen to FM radio in the 70s. <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> didn't have sports radio. You sound like an insane person. <laughs> um, I had a disco version of Star Wars that I meant to bring in. I'll have to oh, do it when... Ah, bless America. When, uh, you know what? I think I I've have a disco version of in. the Close Encounters of the Third Kind 45. But again, I digress. I Awesome. Well, let, let's get back to to the meat of matter, which is Phantom Menace. Um, let's talk about where we rank this movie out of the six. Number six. Number six, definitely. Wow. 
What, what's your least I favorite? I hate to say, boys. I've well, no, I don't hate to say it, or I wouldn't say it. Um, it's third on my list. Wow, gentlemen, third best. Yeah, pretty much. Where? Wait, that can only mean that you think it's better than Return of the Jedi. Um, yes. You actually think the Phantom Menace is better than Return of the you Jedi? You know, I think it's. We got to get a I new voiceover guy. I know we do. You're nuts. It, it's a was not perfect. But that movie was such a such a beautiful popcorn movie. It was just so fun to watch the all of the set pieces. You know, I mean, and, you know, straining you know credulity mm-hmm. to be sure. But uh, you know, going through the core of the planet and um, you know the the giant fish who gets eaten by the giant. There's bigger always fish. a bigger fish, and you know, just all these set pieces. The I think for me, what really struck home, you know, the first time we're sitting there in the theater, and the second and the third back in 1999. Mm-hmm. Um, was watching the lightsabers, and for the first time ever, you get to see what a trained Jedi, at the top of his craft, can do. Okay, I, I will give you that. Unbelievable, and, and that was strong. Absolutely that is the strongest part of this was movie. In a puddle of my own sweat, every time I saw it, and and and, and you know you know what even got better for me? It was, and I won't go on this for a long time. But Attack the Clones does that even better. In my opinion, you talking um, about the Dooku uh, Yoda fight? Or I'm talking about the whole, the whole freaking thing? army in, okay. in the in the uh, arena. Oh, but yeah. but let's not. I mean, let, let's not dwell let's on that. Let's get back on. I on, think on this. Um, that is the thing that draws me into this movie. Now I okay. haven't seen this in probably a year. Yeah. It's been a year since I watched it. I actually enjoyed watching it. You know what, Brad? I enjoyed watching it too. I enjoyed this watching it. I watched I, it all. I've got I a five and a half year old through it. And so we'll watch the first. Yeah, you know, that, that that first movie is probably the most kid friendly of, of all the movies. It's not a big stretch to say that, but I just it's just so you know. And I'm I don't mean this literally, but it, it's so colorful and it's yeah. so expansive and it's just kind of has a bit of an epic feel. And and you know, I to me the pod race does not drag. And I know you, you a lot know, of people have the no, I love no, the no, pod no. Race. I, I love the pod race. You say it has this epic feel and you know in my notes there, there's a line that they use in here towards the beginning of, of that movie where they go go it's just a small trade dispute. And it's kind of funny because it's that small little event, that small yeah. little trade dispute that that becomes this epic thing that Sidious has plan for it. Yeah, I do I do like that element of it that it's it's just this little small thing that's going to snowball into this giant thing that becomes the empire. That that shows you right off the bat just how smart Palpatine is. Yeah. How long he's been planning this and it's amazing that he ended up where he did by starting as long ago as he did with his little thing mm-hmm. and he just he worked it all and he was patient. I mean, he was it was a backwater planet. Right. I mean, it was interesting though. I just think that uh, the the backdrop, you know, you theoretically, you know, you see the Jedi, you know, at what we assume is the height of their powers. Uh-huh. Um, certainly, you know, sitting there in the movie, you know, immersed in the experience, you just you can't believe what you're seeing because in the you know the first three movies, mm-hmm. parts four, five, and six, you know, you never see it. I, mean, I guess Darth Vader counts, but you don't get to see. Thanks to the miracle of you know computer generated effects, what a Jedi can really do. Yes, and to watch Qui Gon jam that lightsaber into that door—that is melting ve- it. Just very exciting. I, I that was backwards awesome. out of my chair every single well, time. There was a whole the whole thing that whole beginning deal where 
where, uh, you know, you saw they were fighting the droids, and Obi-Wan, he uses a force out to the side yes. and knocks three or four droids down, you know? And then when he goes, it's a standoff, let's go, you know, they take off like, mm-hmm. like they look like the I think flash, they even you know? have <laughs> the bullet sound effect oh, yeah. in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all of that. And even the, the um, I forget the name of that race that runs the Trade Federation. Um, oh, heavens. Well, the Federation. We'll just call them the Federation. Yeah, those, the dudes that sound like Chinese guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, he says, we will not survive these. He's talking about the Jedi mm-hmm. and how yeah. powerful they are. And Yeah, when me, they close the blast they close door. The blast yeah. doors, that will and hold it's them. still yeah. They're anyway. still coming through. <laughs> uh, Qui-Gon Jinn is, to me, the thread that holds this mess of a movie together. Because Liam Neeson was so good. I bought him... Totally, I never once thought, oh, there's Dark Man, or there's that guy from Schindler's List. I thought, there's Qui-Gon Jinn, and he was just, his acting, I think, made that such a believable character to me, and it, and it, it, it is what grounded me into that movie, was, was his portrayal as a Jedi. He has a huge amount of confidence, you know that, that the young Obi-Wan you know, he listens to him. He, he's a, he's a good he's a good student. He's a good um, what do you call the students? The, the Padawan, Padawan, a young Padawan. I mean, everything that 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 he, that uh, whatever Liam says, you know, he will follow because he believes in him. He was a great leader, and he stands up for things he believes in. Because remember, there's that line where Obi Wan goes, you know, don't get into a fight with the um, you know with the council again. Or yeah. remember that line. So apparently, Qui Gon is willing to say things that he believes right. Mm-hmm. And he will stand up for it, e- even if it goes against the grain of the council. I think it's interesting, though, how um, though it, everything seems like it's as good as it can be. You know, I mean, obviously, you're seeing the cracks, but you know, once you dig below the surface, you watch the movie a few times, uh, you start to realize that everything is not right. You know, the you know the 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 Senate is on its last legs; mm-hmm. it's just waiting for somebody to you know to to topple it over mired in bureaucracy yeah and and um you know the jedi though they you know are probably at the heights of their powers you know their literal jedi powers you know they are becoming a a a fractious unit too and you know they become vulnerable um which i think is something that you know is really kind of under the surface you know to start with Mm -hmm. you know much like you know, just one little tiny thing, you know, the blockade of Naboo, some, you know, backwoods planet, you know, in a backwoods solar system at the edge of the galaxy or there, thereabouts. Right. Um, yeah, it just, it's something that you, I think you, it's, it's one of the reasons why you can watch that movie over and over again is because even though it seems like a kid's movie, there are enough layers there. And, and just the fact that you're, you're, you're setting the stage for what is going to be, you know, a galactic epic. Uh, going to some of those layers that, that, that you're talking about, these are some things that I wish had been in the movie that um, that I think would have made it more emotional for me that I could have gotten more into. There, there's lines in the movie where they talk about uh, Naboo's peril. Um, well, Naboo's peril did not seem real to me because they talk about all these people getting killed and stuff like okay. that through transmission. The death toll is catastrophic. Yeah. But I was like, where are they killing people? I know. All they're doing is rounding them up and put them into camps. And, and you know, the, the palace and stuff, you know, had that been damaged or, or battle scarred, I think that would that would help me out a little bit more. Um, just kind of believing that. Um Oh, we got to talk about midi chlorines at some point. Uh, I just uh, the thing that gets no, me. Do about, we really have to? Uh, yeah, it's kind the, of the important. thing that gets me about Naboo, and this is something that you know happens all the time in science fiction, 
is apparently there's only one city on the entire planet. And apparently oh, yeah. there's only <laughs> one group of Gungans on the entire planet. You know, yeah. and, wow, we just happened to land within walking distance <laughs> of one of the two sentient races on the entire planet's surface. You know, how convenient. <laughs> like, oh, I got to walk for about five minutes and swim a couple hundred yards and we're there. You know, geez, we, you know, ran, randomly landed on this planet and, you know, somehow it just worked out for us. But, but that's sarcastic. You know, how many, <laughs> maybe a little, but, you know, seriously, was there, was there more than one, you know, group of civilization, you know, on the planet? You know, were the, the, the surface citizens of Naboo, you know, where they spread out over a continent or, you know, you never got the, the sense that, that there was anything more than that one city, you know, that one underwater city. Mm-hmm. You can say that about. And that happens all the time. You can say yeah. that about Star Trek, too. You oh, know, yeah. When they go to, I mean, yeah. how many different races of, of humans are there? You know, multiple. Well, you don't see that when you go to the Klingons. You know, how right. many races of Klingons are there? They, they, right. all, they all have the same skin tone. They all tone. look the same. Yeah. You know? And I mean, that, oh, that's Vulcan is is the only planet. I know we're getting off topic. You know, you but put Vulcan you has, put Frank up mm-hmm. against uh, Brad Pitt and go, oh, they're both humans. You know, to an alien, Brad Pitt's not human. <laughs> to an alien, they're going to go. They're not the same type of people. Look at them; they look totally different. Well, yes. I mean, Vulcan does that because there's black Vulcans and there's can remember Tuvok and then there's that's white true. Vulcans. But but I, I wish shows would would. Do that, but I think it might cause. It confusion. would be a little difficult for us as a viewer to go. Okay, now is that the same? Is he the same race because as the other guy? Blue, because they look different, but, but their ears are the same. Yeah, you know. Well, I thought that they do a great job of it on Tatooine. Mm-hmm. You know, you never get the impression that oh, this is the only population center on the planet, right? Yeah. You know, uh, they they do a good enough job spreading out. And there's so many different races. Well, even know. in in episode one, where Darth Maul lands and then he sends off those three floating probe droids yes he's looking at his macro binoculars mm-hmm. and he sees in the distance he sees one group of lights there's a settlement there he pans over it there's another one and then he pans over and there's another one then he sends out three of them and they all go three separate ways yeah. to three different towns other when he gets on his little anti-gravity bicycle and he goes off the cliff yeah, yeah. yeah. that's kind of awesome <laughs> he takes off it's like i want one of those i want one of those too well, let's talk about midi chlorines cam do we have to well because it really ruined it really ruined something that was magical. I mean, does everything need to be explained? Can't the force just be the force? Why do we need so, why do we need these things in our cells to allow to us, us. To, that talk to us that allow well, us to talk to the force? When, no more when we listen to the force, we're actually we're not listening to a mystical thing. We're listening to microscopic life forms that live in our cells. I think the implication though is that the the metachlorines themselves though are transcendental. They're not just symbiotic, you know, creatures in our bodies or anything. They, but, you know, but they're referred they're, to as symbiotic. They, well, they, 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 well, I mean, I'm yeah. sorry. I, I realize that they, you know, their being inside you mm-hmm. gives you the ability to access the force mm-hmm. and do all sorts of neat things. But, um, but the idea that, um, that the midichlorines, you know, the, the, there's got to be some kind of mystical connection between mm-hmm. midichlorines because you can feel things happening in other locations, and you know, you know, Luke and Luke could tell when you know Leia was hurting, or vice yeah. versa. You know, even though they're star systems apart from each other, so you know, the midi chlorines, you know, they, I think it's just they they attempt to give a scientific explanation to what is still a fantastic premise. And, I, and I, I, it didn't bother me as much as a lot of other people. Um, that no, that bothered me because it's 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 like that old saying about sausage. You know, you, you love it, but <laughs> but you don't want to see how it's made. I don't want to know <laughs> or how scrapple. the force works or scrapple. Yeah, I don't want to know how it's made. I know it's great. 
don't don't break it down for me. Okay, I know the force is fantastic. And you know what? If you tell me, you know, it's like knowing how a magician does his magic trick. I, I frankly had a harder time with the idea that uh, that Shmi. Uh, that it was a, uh, a, a an immaculate birth. conception. An immaculate conception. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, I, I just I don't know why they needed to go there. Um, there he could have no very father. easily been born of man and woman, and mm-hmm. you could have still had a an elevated midichlorian count. I mean, it's obvious that some people have high midichlorian counts, and some people have low midichlorian counts. And well, so I just I don't know why they had to they had to slip that little note in about and you know I. It doesn't offend me in any way. Mm-hmm. I just, I it just, I saw that that really kind of took me out of the moment, you know. Just thinking, well, good lord. I mean, I, I understand that you know you suspend a lot of disbelief to watch a movie like this, but you know, we don't need you know just hammer me on the forehead with with a Bible reference. <laughs> and again, not that there's anything wrong with that. I just it felt it was out of place in Star Wars. Stupid. I, I think. My feeling on that was to get away from any type of backstory concerning a father. Because if he had a father and a mother, then you can take that. Uh, the, I, I did like it because there, it keeps a mystery. It's like, so he doesn't have a father. This is this is him. He is the only generation, you know, aside from his mother. But, you know, if he has a father, then you can go back generations and, well, then, and then generations. And, and then it... it it loses its mystery. I, mean, I get, liked it. Not to get too far off the pace, but but if there's an, an immaculate conception, does that not speak to some kind of a, a a godly figure? But we just decided that the midichlorines, which we thought you know that we thought the force was the kind of the godly figure yes, in yes. this in this you know in this universe. Um, so now you're telling me that the midichlorines are not actually the midichlorines are more a physical manifestation of the galactic consciousness or something like that but there is also a god you see, know that's i, the, just, I, that's I the, thought that was uh, those is like rams butting their horns together exactly that's the contradiction in that film that's why i think if they had never mentioned what midi coins were and just went with the immaculate conception you would have had a little a little better background in there yeah they well, could have just cut that entire scene out and i probably would have been very fine with it didn't uh was it just fandom that talked about it or do i remember it from perhaps another movie, maybe even this one, and I missed it, that uh, the Force, you know, created him, created Anakin. Well, I mean, we're supposed to believe, I suppose, that the Force caused the Immaculate Conception. Right. So, you know what? It turns out that the Force is midichlorines. So, so does Shmi have a high midichlorine count? So, if so, why wasn't she a Jedi warrior priestess or something? It just, it just... It just was unnecessary, and it detracts from what I thought was the third best movie in the series. <laughs> let's stop <laughs> talking about midichlorians. Okay. Well, let, let's talk about this. Just them being slaves, uh, Anakin and, and Simi, or whatever her name is. Shmi. Shmi. Um, they had it pretty good. <laughs> I, you know, they, I, I, didn't, I didn't get the idea that they were struggling at all. They had their own apartment. Yeah. Uh, they seemed to be well fed. They were, what was that? We talked about yeah. this right before. They were they were bloated with water, or what was they that, were, Frank they Herbert? Water, water fat. <laughs> they were water fat. They, you wanted to throw in the Frank Herbert Dune reference. <laughs> the only thing I thought was funny was they had Dish Network instead of Trek TV, and I'm like, that's lame. <laughs> 
But yeah, yeah they, their whole their whole life as slaves didn't didn't really appear to be that bad. I I think if they had made it a little more of a struggle for them. Yeah. Well, I and think living in Tunisia is its own punishment. Yeah, but sure. but they had they had you know if they had been living in Tunisia with tents would have been a lot worse than living in Tunisia in a nice apartment that seemed to have air they conditioning. Had, they had a microwave and, and <laughs> yeah, ceiling know. fans. They, they had robot. They had he robots. Had his, he had his own yeah, his own robot ro- servant. Robot. Robot. Uh, robot. <laughs> um, do you have a list? Well, do you want to I, mean, keep- I, I have a list of things. Uh, one thing that I think would have made made him a little better, uh, Annie, him. is I, I kind of wish people had been given him more false praise so he could be boastful. Like, And they did do this, but I think they need to do it a little bit more. Like, oh, Annie, you're a great pod racer, or you're a great inventor, and just kind of get his head really big, you know, Sure, he was a little kid, but I think if they had just kind of built him up a little bit more, you know, you know, you can escape this. You know, you'll be a great whatever, a great inventor, a great. Interesting great premise. I think, uh, frankly, that uh, they probably that almost would have happened automatically if they had gone with uh, uh, one of the other two kids that they uh, screen tested. I mean, if you remember in the, the behind the scenes, yes, uh, the three kids they screen tested, um, Jake Lloyd, uh, they. They eliminated the little brunette kid pretty much immediately, and I swear I've seen that face before. He's been mm-hmm. in something since then. Right. But uh, the other two kids were Jake Lloyd and then this other kid who was obviously a couple years older, and he was a blonde kid. And, uh, and a much he, pretty much nailed, he pretty much nailed his lines. Yes. And you know, I remember the, the, the whole you – know, Lucas is talking to the, the inner circle there, and he's literally saying – uh, if we take this other kid, I think that his performance, you know, he'll, it'll it'll be a more efficient process. You know, I'm mm-hmm. paraphrasing. Yeah. But we'll have to do, you know, if we take Jake Lloyd, we'll have to piece his, you know, we'll have to piece his parts together. We'll have to use a lot of cutaways and we'll have to do a lot of retakes um, because he's just not the actor. But they thought that the fact that his uh, performance uh, uh, got really good at times mm-hmm. and they thought that the uh, the the almost random nature of his performances would pay off for him in the long run. Mm, and I think I think that was a bad choice. He, um, just, he, he was just a, a kid reading lines. He was, there was no acting I there. think he was too young to really pull you off. You could say that same thing about Natalie Portman. Her performance. Yeah. Let's supersize this. I'm, I'm for that. We'll supersize um, Natalie Portman's performance was cardboard. Yes. And, and Well, you know what? Everyone's performance in that movie, with the exception of Liam Neeson, was cardboard. Well, yeah. I think... Now well, I did think Obi Wan. What's his name? Ewan McGregor. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I liked his performance in this movie mm-hmm. better than in two or three. I, I thought he became frankly a, a near whiner yes. by the second and third movies, and he was incredible. I, I thought him and him and uh, uh, Qui Gon made just the most incredible pair. And that's one of the things that that puts this movie so high on my list of the six. Um, and uh, I just, but I just just to finish up my last point real quickly i just the the performance of the kid who was a couple years older which is a little more robotic mm-hmm. uh he had a little colder look in his eyes I and i think that knees. it would have been very easy for him to have seemed uh more uh arrogant you could have seen the seeds of that dangerous arrogance in him that you could not have seen in jake lloyd because jake lloyd was just a good kid yeah uh well, and, every and once in a while you the, would the, see jake lloyd Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. That was my mistake. Wow, that was fast. You would see, <laughs> wow, another you thirty would minutes on the tubes there. Jake Lloyd, you know, giving like squinch his eyes up like he was uh-huh. mad about something, you know. Yeah, but but it, it was there, but it wasn't great. Yeah, it, it was just it was just a child's 
performance at best. Yeah, I think the only thing I didn't like about uh, Amidala, I mean, her, it was interesting. There were times when you wondered, is that really her voice or do they have some other actress? You know, because the voice is oh, so deep. I, I read something about that. It was altered. It, they they yeah, did digitally yeah. altered, I suppose. Mm-hmm, okay, really? that makes a lot of sense. I just I, I thought maybe was... they they had her talk like this when she was the queen. <laughs> you remember uh, the the very first outfit Hi, you I see her me. in? It's Hi, that big I'm red queen outfit with the big fan hair and all mm-hmm. that. I thought she looked like Captain Morgan's sister. <laughs> and the little red dot on her lip. Yeah. All she was missing was like you know who the... one leg up on a stool or something. <laughs> you know who the the queen decoy was? Which actress? Oh, Karen. Played? Kira Knightley. Kira Knightley, yeah. Really? Yes, Kira Knightley of Pirates of the Caribbean. I did not know. I no. She was know. the queen, the decoy queen. I think her name was Sabe, she, she S-A-B-E or like something Beckham like that. Also, <laughs> yes, she did. Um, wow. Let's, let's my, talk favorite, favorite. My favorite part of this movie. That's what I was getting at. Let's talk favorite parts is, of the movie. Uh, and I, and I think it is the best one of all six movies. Is the lightsaber duel of Qui Gon mm-hmm. and Obi Wan and Darth Maul? To me. It is the best lightsaber performance out of all six, uh, and it's it's going in. What are you looking for? Something's vibrating. Oh, Perhaps that's it. it's okay. my phone. It is my phone. Sorry. Um, to me, this uh, even being spoiled by the soundtrack, Qui Gon's Noble End, going in, even knowing that he was going to die. I was emotionally involved in this lightsaber duel because I didn't know when. And you know in episodes two and three, you know that Anakin's not going to die when he's fighting Count Dooku. Yes. And you know he's not going to die when he's fighting Obi-Wan at the end of three. Good point. But you mm-hmm. didn't know exactly what was going to happen to Qui-Gon. And when, when he got it, you could see the anguish on Obi-Wan's face. And then when that red thing goes away and he just lays into Darth Maul. I mean, I'm getting goosebumps right now just thinking about that lightsaber duel. Oh, and man, it is just, <laughs> it was so incredible to me, the whole thing. And it, like I said, it was the only one that I got emotionally involved in. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And right, obviously, right. you know, in episodes four, five, and six, they hadn't quite gotten the the lightsaber thing the technology. The, yeah. Well, the choreography, the idea behind, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Lucas even addressed, I was going to say, the idea behind the, uh, the the sword fighting ability that Jedi should have. And Lucas even said that one of the reasons they wanted to make it so different in these first three movies was because in uh, episodes four, five, and six, you saw an old man, a guy that was half a machine, and then... A, a, a young man a just learning to wield the lightsaber so they're not going to be fully either capable or trained in the ways of the lightsaber dueling which obviously Jedi in their prime are going to be able to exhibit those characteristics and that's why excuse me the, the dueling was so different in episodes 4, 5, and 6 as opposed to 1, 2, and 3 and that's why my favorite part of that movie is that first scene with Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, and you have never seen You're both them, taking my... Never seen them do these things before. And, you know, the, from the telekinesis to the, 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 the fast blur running to the yeah. holding their breath to the... I mean, it just you see the, the, the gamut of what a Jedi can do, and it just... If it didn't give you goosebumps, you had probably never seen the first three movies. They, they're, like, awesome. Um, 
um, secret agents. And I just, I will never forget that one of the reasons I love that movie so much, and this probably clouds my list, but being there at the theater, um, especially, oddly enough, uh, the first showing was amazing. We went and saw it 23 hours after it opened. We saw it at like 11 o'clock p.m. the day it opened. So oh, yeah? it had been running for, you know, 23 hours. But we saw it the first day. But the second showing, we went up to a theater in Oklahoma City, me and some buddies of mine, and the theater was huge, and it was raucous, and it was like the people up there at that theater hadn't seen it yet, obviously, you know, it had been running up there too, but the reception up there was like what you saw at the end of the uh, the, the making of special, where they're in the theater, and people are, you know, got their... their plastic lightsabers yeah. the movie and it just the, the place just erupts you can just you just see the roof lift about six inches <laughs> you know and slam back down it was just such an electric atmosphere and i just you know i i will that i will always prize that experience and and you know that's got to color my opinion of what six you know which of the six movies is best but i just you know seeing two and three was incredible um seeing six was really cool you know i was i was right in my wheelhouse you know mm-hmm. being a 10th grader or whatever i was when the sixth movie came out but man, 1983 i mean but to wait for almost literally a full generation oh yeah and then man it's coming out and here it is and you're in the theater and that first 10 minutes just blows your wheels off you, you know i i agree with you that that it, it did i mean those first 10 minutes are, are great but i think this movie also suffered from uh so much hype oh yeah that there's no way that this movie could have been as good as as the one we have envisioned in our head. Well, Agreed. Part of that yeah, is because, because 16... we were kids when we watched the the first the original trilogy. Yes, we're not kids anymore watching them. Yeah, well, and no, this technically we're not kids. This may be a whole other episode. I don't know how far we want to get into it, but the idea that in 1999 when this movie came out. You had Star Wars, which was something that people had been waiting a generation for, but it was not terribly hip at the time. It was competing against things like The Matrix, which was the ultra uber hip movie maybe of our generation. And Star Wars compared to that was literally a Saturday morning, you know, a nickel movie, you know. Wow. Really? When did yeah. The Matrix come out in 99? I believe it was 99. I've, uh, you know what? I remember the first time I saw that movie was mm-hmm. on DVD after it had been released. I went to the, uh, going back to Matrix, I did see it in the theater and I thought it was great, but it didn't, well, it didn't stick with me I, I, I like, like Star Wars. I guess, I guess it has to do with the fact that we grew up with Star Wars and stuff. Matrix was a new thing. Matrix was a new franchise. But, I, I mean, the movie definitely didn't suffer. It made $430 million, uh, Phantom mm-hmm. Menace. Has it, is that, like, worldwide, or was that when it first came out? See. I've actually got a number here that says 450 but that's certainly Probably worldwide. Enough. It was interesting, too, because in the making of special, uh, Lucas and uh, Rick McCallum, the producer, and a couple mm-hmm. other inner circle people are talking, and Lucas says, okay, we got $50 million to make this thing with. And you knew, in fact, I was kind of wondering, I'm glad you brought the number, because I was wondering, there's no way they made that movie for a mere $50 million. They yeah. knew I that was going to be a cash What was cow. the budget they had? You uh, said $115 million. 115, that's so what they made it for? Yes. That's what, that came off of IMDb. But, that's but their original... That they went over twice the original budget for that movie, mm-hmm. and obviously it was a wise investment, my friend. Mm-hmm. What's his name? Paid out of pocket. Yeah. 
Yeah, George Lucas. Lucas paid out of pocket yeah. for this. Yeah, and right here I have. Uh, he had the similar deal and with that's Fox. That's why he was a third of a billion dollars richer after. Where he would yeah. he would forego his salary as a director, provided he owns the entire negatives of the final cut of the film, as well as ancillary rights to toys and commercial tie-ins. What was your favorite part, Frank? Yeah, and you guys took took both of them because I'm it sorry. was. So I'm just gonna have to go with the pod race. <laughs> nice. I like the pod race. I yeah. know it got a lot of flack on the DVD. It's extended a bit. There's and more introductions of all the pod racers. Really? I liked it. I thought it was cool. I liked it, too. The the one disappointment I have that's indirectly related to the podcast, not the one disappointment, but one of my most disappointed, disappointing... Oh, we better... Yeah, I know. We're at 30... We're at 40 minutes right now. I I, I don't have a problem with keeping <laughs> okay. going. Uh, unless <laughs> let, you do. Let, no, let's do... After this, let's do things we, we hated about the movie, after you make your statement. Well, I... I will include this in something I just that bugs the crap out of me okay. about this movie is that we only saw this Ara Singh character for three seconds. Oh. It was in the pod race. She was standing up on a cliff looking down. It was She was in one shot. George Lucas went to all this trouble to put her in this movie. She was the girl in uh, dressed in red, but she had white skin, and she had like a radio antenna coming out of her head. She okay. has a really long rifle. You've seen her in other pictures and even in comics, but... What they should have done is they should have kept that character. She had a big life in the comics, but she was in this one scene for like three seconds, and that was it. It wasn't even three seconds. It was like two and a half seconds. Wow. What they should have done was kept her in the second movie. You know the uh, Zam, Zam Wessel, Wessel character that Django Fett was working with? Remember? Okay. She was fighting the speeder through right. Coruscant, and yeah, they were yeah. chasing her in the other speeder. That should have been the R-Sing character. It shouldn't have been the Zam Wessel. Okay. Because this Ara Singh character, as we come to find out, uh, was a bounty hunter, a former Jedi turned bounty hunter who collected Jedi lightsabers as trophies. And that, to me, that was a much more interesting character. That's yeah. What, it makes you wonder why the creators just screw their own canon like yes. that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's like that whole Berman or Bragg. I'm one, not going there. If I, have, <laughs> if I have one regret, it would be that they didn't utilize that character a little more. Um, my one regret, and you know, this has been said a million times, but it, it's the whole Jar Jar B things. I think he was too silly. Um, I think he could have played a, a, a an important role, you know. But I'm speaking as an adult. He was just too silly for me, and he kind of brought the seriousness of this. Whole, I mean, it, you know, it's this it's the space opera, and I know operas do have gestures, but it was just a little too much. I think he just needed. I don't know if it was the voice or the way he acted. Kids seem to love him, though. So he obviously wasn't designed for me. I think he hurts the movie and, and uh, you know, just the silliness of it. Uh, the one thing about Jar Jar that I thought was incredible was that uh, that first shot after they get down to the planet's surface and the three of them are together. <laughs> I have that in my notes. they're, you know, on that, that huge 75-foot-wide movie screen, and you've got Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, and Jar Jar, and the three of them with bust shots, and you're sitting there looking at Jar Jar going, Good Lord. A creature that looks like that could actually be standing next to them. The CGI is so good, and I just I will never get over that. The CGI still holds up today. Uh, it still it, holds it up. Will, it will hold up for a long time. Yeah. Another thing that I it just clicked that bothers me about this movie, and it's only because in episodes two and three he was total complete CG, but at the beginning, well, most of this, with the exception of one shot, I believe, at the end where you actually see Yoda yeah. walking. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a Yoda puppet the rest of the movie. Yeah. Okay. It is a Yoda puppet. It's not CG, whereas in episodes two and three, he is CG. Uh, I was reading about that, Brad, and just the technology was not there to make 
uh, Yoda look the I, way he wanted him to. I have a, a really hard time believing that if they could make Jar Jar look the way he did. Yeah. And I, I, I just, I frankly, the I know we're we're getting off, but the second and third movies where Yoda is CG, I thought to myself, it looks CG. Yeah. You know, I could tell it's not a puppet, and it, it bothered me a little bit. But you know, I'll I'll let Lucas off the hook on this. And well, I mean, that's the only way we could have had those awesome uh, sword fights. Yeah, there's no way they could have done that without CG, and and uh, you could have easily, you know, done it with the puppet up until the part where he starts bouncing around like a Mexican like was, jumping bean. Yeah. Um, so, okay, least favorite, least favorite, least favorite? Uh, least favorite, uh, you know, I don't have any real problems with the movie. I just, I think it bogs terribly during the whole midichlorine, during that whole part of the movie where they're staying overnight at, at Smee and Anakin's house. I just, that, that part makes me want to hit the fast forward button. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I, I don't really have any problems with the movie. I, I think it was just strong from beginning to end, and I just... Thank you, George. <laughs> you, you're in, you're in the minority. I with believe that you're one, in the minority. I was yeah. just about to say. I don't mind that. You know, like I said, I hadn't seen it in a year. I actually enjoyed watching this movie this time, uh, I, but I don't feel the need to to immediately put it back in and, and watch it again, yeah. like I like I might with episode three. You know? Oddly enough, uh, this makes me want to uh, go home and put in episode. Two, two, which I have not seen in a while. Like I said, with a five and a half year old kid, episode one is a very easy movie to put in, and we I have seen it a number of times in the last three or four years. Uh, certainly, probably you know, way more than I've seen two or mm-hmm. even three. And heck, uh, three's on still on HBO, you know, occasionally. So uh, I catch it like that. I will say this one: I can't wait to do the next one. Yeah, yeah, I cannot wait to do the next one because two, Atta- Attack two. of the Actic. Attack of the Clones has has a special place. I won't give my ranking of it yet, but but uh, but I can't wait to do that. I want before we? before we go. I want to replay just the beginning of the Duel of the Fates song. Okay, because and you can blame it on that one website, <laughs> but to me, when the song starts off, it sounds uh-huh. like they're saying "Corn on the, the cob." cob. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You've seen that website? It's it's Here, called uh, "You're the Man Now, Dog," and just listen. It sounds listen to what it sounds like they're saying. Corn on the cob, corn on the kebab. How I always awesome thought was that? that was funny. It just kills me. Wow. And, and, I'm never going to be able to listen to that dang thing again. That's ever. on You're the Man Now, dog. YTMND.com. Yeah, we'll put that in the notes. Yeah, it's funny. Um, let's go shop. It's another, it's another uh, more than half hour wasted for sure. Um, guys, thanks for listening. Thank send you, gentlemen. Any, send any comments to halfhourwasted at gmail.com. Don't forget to visit us at the Comics Forum. Comic Com- Forums. The Comic Forums. I'm going to write that out you know, on your forehead. Dot com. Uh, leave some messages there. And, um, you know, if you want a bumper sticker, send us an email with your address. We'll be more than happy to send it to you. For Half Hour Wasted, I'm Frank A. Rincon. Brad Milo. Bill. Um, McGee. Damn it. I blanked. <laughs> And we'll, and we'll see you next time on A Half Hour Wasted. Bye, guys. Hey, the music ran out. Watch. I'll start oh. it again. Watch this. All right. That's All right. much better. Next time. Hey, we'll, you know what? Let's go out it's, with It's like let's a go out audio with party. For those out. of you who are still listening, you're getting a little bonus here. We're going to go out with this. These will be the outtakes. <laughs> this is behind the scenes. All right. <laughs> this is the making of Half Hour Wasted <laughs> episode. <laughs>
I could go for a sandwich right what, now. What episode number is this, by the way? This would be 34B. 34B? 33B? No, don't do that, man. Don't do that. Raging Bullets does that, and it makes me crazy. You guys got to stay with numbers. You know what? I heard the funniest reference. You know what I'm Raging craving all of a sudden? <laughs> corn on the cob? How about corn on? How about corn? Corn, corn on the kebab. The kebab. The kebab. I heard the funniest reference to Raging Bullets, the Raging Bullets podcast the other day, because you know they do very long shows, and someone referred to it as um, as Infinite Crisis on Raging Bullets. <laughs> <laughs> they do a great; I, those guys do a great show. I, I love Comic Geek Speak. I love you guys. <laughs> Raging Bullets is probably in my top three. Mm. And man, they they had uh, like episode forty nine was in seven parts, spread out over like a month, and it's like. <laughs> Just make it part 50, boys. <laughs> you won't confuse oh, people that's that way. Funny. They love their stuff. Okay, let's get out of here for real. Let's get out of here. I love you guys. Trail. Ah, the music was too loud. Here we go. Well, about time for me to be hitting the old dusty, dusty trail. trail. And with that, we're out. Take right. care, guys. Bye. I love Bye. you.